Welcome to the Mosaic Church Sermon Podcast. Mosaic Church seeks to engage the modern age with the historic Christian faith. If you don't have a home church, please don't use this podcast as a substitute for being a member of a local community of faith. Whether you call Mosaic your home or not, we hope that you find this sermon convicting and encouraging in your walk with Jesus. Here's our lead pastor, Pastor Greg Brown, with this week's sermon. If you guys don't know me, my name is Greg Brown. I'm the lead pastor here at Mosaic. Uh, I'm also the worship pastor and do the tech stuff. And yeah, I do a little bit of everything. I'm, do, I'm moving stuff to uh, the storage unit this afternoon. I mean, it's a little bit of everything, right? Like that's church planning for you. It's fun. Um, but yeah, one of my responsibilities is the uh, lead pastor here at Mosaic. And uh, it is my pleasure and honor to address you with the word of God this morning. Um, this is one of those things that that I don't take lightly. Um, I try not to take myself too seriously. We can all laugh at me, but we shouldn't laugh at the word of God. You know what I mean? Like, so when I, when I approach the scriptures and when I think about preaching, I take it very, very seriously. Uh, in fact, when I first started preaching, I, I preached on a, a sermon that was uh, very similar to the one that we're going to be looking at today. Um, and I studied like crazy for it. I mean, like, I probably spent 40 hours in study that week thinking this was going to be the most baller sermon anybody has ever heard, right? It's just going to be terrific, right? 40 hours studying the subject of faith, right? Just simple faith. And so I got up uh, to preach, and I was nervous. Let's just be honest. I was, it was the first time, right? Like, I, I had never preached before. I had never gotten up in front of anyone uh, to do something like this, and I was so nervous. I stuttered all over the place, and my content, my content was rock solid if you were going to be sitting in an academic atmosphere, right? If you were going to be sitting there in a Theology 101 course, it was great. I mean, it was pretty good. I, look, I can look back at those notes, and, and I'm like, hey, like the, all that is true, but you know what was missing? The sermon part. It was just a lecture. It was just a lecture. It was just about these objective truths that really didn't apply to anyone. It was just talking about faith as this thing that's out here somewhere, not something that's in here. Today, I'm hoping to correct some of that as I preach through this passage in Mark chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 13 through 16. If you were here last week and you heard that just now and you were like, they're skipping verses. They're skipping stuff in the Bible. We're not, act, we're not skipping. We're, we're just reorganizing just a little bit. Our next passage was supposed to be Mark 10, 1 through 12. We will be there next week. Uh, but uh, because we had all the kids in here, uh, and this passage is about Jesus letting the children come to him, I thought maybe switch it up a little bit. All right? And I mean, and Mark 10, 1 through 12 is about divorce and I just felt like it would be better if it was all adults in the room. We could just have a real honest conversation at that point. You know what I mean? So I was hoping that maybe like, we get a little bit of engagement from the kids. They can do their, their worksheets, and the worksheets were easier because it has to do with faith and children, not divorce, right? Uh, so that made things a little bit easier. So uh, we thought, hey, like we could switch it up. It's providential. We're only one week off. It's going to be fine. Right? So we're not skipping anything. It's all good. Uh, we do think that Mark 10, 1 through 12 is important and inspired, so we're going to be back at it next week. But this week, we're jumping ahead just a little bit. Again, Mark 10, 13 through 16. If you guys could stand with me as we read God's word, I would uh, love if you, if you could do that. I know if you have kids, it's okay. You can, you can do what you need to do. We stand out of respect for God's word. Um, 
So, but if you're, uh, if that's not a possibility, that is totally okay. Um, I know it's a little bit crazy in here sometimes with children's. All right, uh, Mark 10, 13 through 16 says this. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's go to him in prayer one more time. Lord, I pray that this morning you would help us to see just the simple faith that you desire from us. I pray, Lord, that as we look to the children that are around us today, that, Lord, we would even learn something from them. And that, Lord, they would learn about who you are. Not only, Lord, by the sermon today, which, Lord, they may or may not remember, but, Lord, by seeing their parents take the word of God seriously and place their faith in Christ. I pray that you would do this today for your glory and for our good. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Over the last few weeks... um, I've had some pretty uh, difficult things to say about the disciples. The disciples, you think, maybe would be like moral paragons, right? They're the best of the best. They're the cream of the crop is what you might think if you were approaching the Bible for the first time. But the reality is, I think that the disciples are there to show us ourselves in kind of the worst possible light most of the time. So when you think about this passage, we look at the the disciples here, you go, hmm, that doesn't seem quite right. They're trying to stop these kids from coming to Jesus. But there is a person, and not just Jesus, in this passage, a set of people who kind of have it right. Look at this in, in verse 13. It says, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. They were bringing children to him. Who is they in that passage? That's the first question. Again, I usually like to ask questions of, of passages as I go through them. First question you have to ask who is they? What's the crowd? It's the people that were around. So while the disciples rebuked them, guess what the crowds were doing? They were bringing their children to Jesus. Bringing their children to Jesus. This is the first thing that you need to see from this passage. I think we can learn something from the crowds here. They got something that the disciples didn't. They understood something that the disciples hadn't quite gotten Yet, they were bringing their children to Jesus so that he might bless them. They saw who he was and they loved their children so much that they came not asking for their own blessings, but asking for blessings from Jesus for their kids, for these little ones that are sitting next to you this morning. The crowds had it right. They brought their kids to Jesus. How can we do that? That's the first question that I think I would ask when it comes to application of this passage. How can we bring our kids to Jesus? Right? We're, look, we, we believe that God is sovereign over salvation, but you have a responsibility toward your children. We, as a church, have a responsibility toward the children of this church to bring them to Jesus. So the question becomes, how could we then do that? How can we practically bring these kids to Jesus? Well, I'll say this. We have a 
wonderful kids' ministry. I think it's great. Brittany thinks it's great. Dale thinks it's okay. I'm just kidding. No, we, we, we have poured time and energy and resources into our kids' ministry because we think it is incredibly important as a church. When we first talk, started talking about, about what church planting might look like, between uh, Brandon and Ashley and Kelsey and myself, and we were sitting here talking about what does church look like, we, the idea passed through our minds. Maybe we do family-integrated worship all the time. That way we don't have the volunteer load, Right? That way, practically speaking, it makes it a little bit easier for the volunteers, the people who have to do the, do the work of setting up. But then it was like, no, 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 wait, that's, we've got a mixture of priorities here. Like, we've got, we've got it wrong. What's going to be best for those kids is the question that we should have been asking. And that's the one that we laid our eyes on and really tried to push through. How do we best care for these kids? How do we best bring them to Christ? And so, we stood up a, a, a kids' ministry, and we put time and energy and resources into it. Many of you serve in that ministry, and it's an amazing thing. But guess what? It doesn't start there. It never started there. That's a supplement. We always talk about this. What happens in those classrooms is a supplement to what happens at home. So I want to begin there. How are you bringing your children to Christ at home? These little ones who are sitting next to you, how are you discipling them? How are you pouring into them? I think there's a few ways that we can think about bringing these kids to Christ. And we're going to get back to the church piece in a minute. But I, I want to start at home because well, let's be real, all right? Again, God is sovereign over salvation. And yet those who have Christian parents who raise them in a household where the gospel is clear have a bit of a better chance from a practical perspective. All right? It is good for you to raise your kids like that. So how can you do that? Well, look, I, I'm not going to pull any punches here. It's going to take time, energy, and resources just like it does here for the kids program. All right? It's going to take you making the Bible central to what you do in your household with your kids. The other night I was over at Brittany and Dale's house and uh, and Noah was there, and, uh, and he was uh, reciting his, uh, his memory verse, right? I don't think that was just for show. I think they're doing this on a consistent basis because, like, he knows it, right? And, like, that, it, it takes time and intentionality and resources and maybe energy that you don't really feel like you have to have in order to make that happen, but you're teaching him something. You're teaching him about the priority of God's word. You're teaching him about what God's word says, and you're teaching him to, to really grasp that and to cherish it. It becomes a valuable part. And the same thing is true for all of you as you disciple your children in different ways. And look, this isn't the only way to do it. A memory verse isn't the only way to disciple your kids. But you need to shape your rhythms in your life around the scriptures. And look, it's not just about kids. If you're married, men, disciple your wives. Women, get on your husbands and be like, hey, Time to lead your house, all right? A little bit of a, a hard push there maybe for some of you, but you need to do it. Get on it. But we're talking about kids today, and I, I want you guys to, to shape your lives around the scriptures. So what might that mean? Here, like just take some of this and, and run with it if you want. Pray at the dinner table. That's normative, but don't just pray, God bless the food, amen. Pray like you mean it, because you're teaching them. They're absorbing this stuff. You think your kids don't see stuff? They don't comprehend stuff? They comprehend more than you do. 
All right, they're like little sponges. They suck this stuff up and they're like, they are going to be little versions of you. What are you doing at the dinner table? Are you blasting through the prayer or are you spending time? What else? Are you spending time reading the scriptures together? Right? Do you have a, a, a storybook Bible, for example? Right, like great things. They can get to know those stories of scripture before they can even read the scripture itself. They can get these summaries of the stories and they can see how it connects to Jesus. Even at the youngest ages, I think that sometimes we think that these little ones are so incapable at times of different things and we just, we, we've got to make them a priority in our lives. But it's not just about teaching. It's not just about teaching them the scriptures. It's not just about giving them you know, little board books that have biblical pictures on it and things like that. Those are good things, don't get me wrong, but it's not just about that because you know what? Out of all of those times, the kids are going to see you more how you are just in everyday life. What you need to start asking is, is my life at home and everywhere else shaped around the scriptures? Am I treating the other person in my household, the other people in my household with respect? Am I forgiving others as God and Christ has forgiven me? Think about this stuff. How are you showing your kids how to behave toward others? How are you showing your kids what Jesus has done for you? Think about these things. I know this is heavy, and I'm gonna to get to the part that's gonna relieve some of the burden here in a moment, but I want you to feel this. It is real. Teach your kids what it means to follow Jesus, not only through the Bible and reading the Bible, but by applying it to your life and letting them see what is happening. These little ones see it. The worst days of your lives, when you're yelling at your spouse or you're having an argument that you shouldn't be having, they see it. When you're over at someone else's house and you're with their kids, they see you too. How do you respond to people? If you're a guest in that person's house and they have kids, how are you acting there? What are you teaching their children? Because they're gonna see you and they're, gonna, they're going to compare you to their parents and you're gonna go, why is there a difference? What's going on here? They're gonna perceive these things. Are you shaping your life around the scriptures? This is for your good, personally, okay? It's for your good, but it's also for theirs. It's an incredibly good thing for them. This is one way in which you can bring your kids to Jesus. But also the church has a responsibility here. It's not just about parents. It's about the church. The church needs to value children, right? So we, this is one of the reasons that we have a kids ministry at all. We say this is a valuable thing. We don't want to bar the kids from coming to Jesus. We want to bring them in. In fact, that is part of the reason that we have family integrated worship from time to time. We want them to see all of you worshiping together. It's not just about mom and dad. It's about mom and dad's friends all worship God too. And look at what wonderful things happen here. And then we can interact with them on a, on a different level. But you have to get them here in order for them to have any of that. You have to get them here. You have to have your kids with you at church in order to, to really have them grasp what's going on. So bring, bring them to church. Come to church yourself, by the way. You need to get here first, right? They can't drive themselves, right? Yeah, you'd, you'd think maybe, but maybe you. You can maybe. 
maybe. Um, I know you. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, you've, you can't let them drive themselves, right? So you've got to be here. You've got to get to church, and you've got to show them that there's a priority there. But then you need to go, okay, like, this is for your good. The church, I, I could trust this church with my kids, Right? You do this when you drop them off in kids' church. You go, I can trust this church with my kids. It's the same thing when they get out of kids' church and they're running around here doing all sorts of craziness. I can trust this church with my kids, right? Think about it. How many interactions do, do other adults have with your kids at church? Other adults, like if you're, if you're not that kid's parent, ask them what they learned in class today. Talk to them, engage them. Ask them what's going on there, right? Make them see that it's not just about their parents' thing. It's about a holistic thing, right? Bring your kids to Jesus. Bring the children to Jesus. But it's not just about church attendance. It's about enjoying church while you're here. It's about engaging while you're here. Show them what's going on. Adults, all of you, play a part in that. If you show up and, you, and, and you're just like, oh, I don't want to be here. I just signed up for volunteer today and I had to be here. Those kids are gonna catch on to that far sooner than the adults will. Guarantee it. They're gonna see it. They're gonna catch that off of you. Church is for your joy. It is. For those of you who have been out of church for any length of time, I went through a period of time like this, you find that church is for your joy and sometimes we lose that, right? Sometimes we, feel, we don't feel that joy and we need to remind ourselves of why we come to church, why we need the Sabbath, why we need to rest in Christ. Come and worship. Bring the kids to Christ and do not hinder them. In verse 13, the disciples rebuked them and then Jesus saw it in verse 14. He was indignant. By the way, indignant is, is highly upset, Okay? He was very angry, right? Indignant is this attitude of anger that is fueled by injustice, right? That's the meaning of that word. He was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. Again, you know, going back to what we were just talking about, if you don't have these things in your life, if you don't have regular seasons and, and rhythms of discipleship for your kids in their lives, then, then you are hindering them from coming to Christ. You're hindering them in so much as you can do that. But look, if you're a teacher in our kids' program, you are hindering those kids if you don't show up prepared. If you don't know more than what the page says, you haven't done enough because these kids are going to be affected by what you teach. And when they ask you questions and you go, uh, I don't know, or worse, you make something up on the spot, you're hindering them. Do not hinder them from coming to Christ. If you're volunteering here or you're engaging with a kid out in, the, out in the lobby and you're asking them what's going on, what did you learn today? Make sure that you're engaging them in a way that doesn't run them away from Jesus, but draws them to him. Like I said, for church members, it's, there's, a, there's a necessity here that, that we see from Jesus' attitude. He says, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them. There are plenty of people in the crowds he could be going after, but he gives priority to these kids. How often do you go out of the doors after a Sunday service having never talked to one of these kids? I know I've done it. You should. Give them priority. Like, they're going to be missed if you don't focus, if you don't 
look down and go, you know what? I'm going to engage with you for a minute. I just want to see what's going on, right? We need to bring these kids to Christ and, and not hinder them. We need to take on that attitude that Jesus has toward children, which is he loves them. He gives them priority even over the adults. He says, let the children come to me. Do not hinder, hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. This is re the real meat here. All right? For to such belong the kingdom of God. It says that these little ones have the kingdom of God. And he says, in fact, if you don't approach me like this, he says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So today we're really, from a practical perspective, and I, I imagine this is going to be a bit of a shorter sermon because I want to get at the simplicity of this, simple faith, right? That's what we see from these kids. When we think about this, we go for two such, for these children, we need to learn from them for a moment. We need to learn from these kids that are sitting among us today for just a minute. Just look at their attitudes. Look at how they, they approach the kingdom of God. We need to approach the kingdom of God as children. The question then becomes, how do I receive the kingdom, right? It says, he says again in verse, uh, I think it's verse 15, he says, whoever does not receive, or yeah, does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. How then do I receive the kingdom? Again, simple faith this morning, okay? So I wanna distill this down. How do I receive the kingdom? Well, we receive the kingdom through Christ. I'm gonna go flip over to uh, Ephesians 1, if I can get there. I didn't make my bookmarks this morning, so y'all will have to bear with me. Ephesians chapter 1 uh, and verse 11 says this, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We have obtained an inheritance, how? In him, who is him? It's Christ. So how do we receive the kingdom? We receive the kingdom as an inheritance through Jesus Christ by being part of his body. Well, then the question becomes, really what Jesus is saying is, you need to approach me like a child. How are the children approaching him? That's what we're going to really get at here this morning. Again, in verse 15, it says, Do not hinder them, for to such belongs uh, the kingdom of God. Uh, truly, I say to you, uh, if whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. How, is, how can we approach Christ like a child? That's the next question. How can we approach Christ like a child? I think there are three ways that we can look at this. First, a few weeks ago, uh, I talked about the... the uh, the lack of socioeconomic leverage that children have. <laughs> they don't contribute much to the value of society when they're that young, right? The people of the first century often thought of children as being uh, sort of a nuisance, something to, people to be uh, discarded or, or, or ignored because they've contributed nothing to society. And the reality is that your kids, they don't, they don't have anything of their own. Think of this. 
right? They, they, they can't produce value for society. I mean, obviously, they produce joy and love and all sorts of wonderful things, right? Don't get me wrong. You guys heard my diatribe on that a couple of weeks ago, right? But your kids, they, they can't produce monetary gain, right? It's not an economic, like, positive thing to have kids. It's a, it's a negative for at least for a while, right? That's just the reality. Yeah, well, but probably forever. Yeah, you're right. So the reality is they have nothing of their own. I think we need to see that because that would tend to make us think that we should approach Christ with humility, having nothing of our own. If, we, if children approach Christ with nothing, expecting something, we can learn something from that. What do you have in yourself that is good enough to make Jesus go, you know what, that's valuable to me, that's what I needed. Oh, I was lacking that. What do you have in and of yourselves? It's a lot like your children. Think about this. Your children have nothing of their own possession. Like, she's got a book right now, right? Ultimately, let's be real, that book is yours, right? <laughs> like, I mean, it's hers, but it's yours, right? It, okay, it's Danny's, yeah. Let's be real, like Danny reads that on a regular basis, yeah. <laughs> so that's, but that's real, that's real, right? Like the, a, a small child doesn't have a possession of their own. It's not like they can contribute anything. It's not like they have something they can go, here, I want to give this, and that's going to, to help to, to leverage Jesus into saying, yeah, that's what I needed. No, that's already God's. Whatever you can bring, whatever each of you can bring to Jesus, it's already his. It's already his. What makes you think you could leverage him like that? You can't. Much like parents give uh, things to their children, but ultimately it's still the parent's thing. God gives us stuff. He gives us things to, to use and to, to glorify him with, but ultimately this is his stuff. This is his life that I'm living right? He gave this to me. It's, and it is ultimately his to control continuously. This is his life that I live. This is his body that I'm in. He's just given it to me as a loan. So what makes you think that you could approach Jesus with anything to leverage him? Just like these kids can't approach you with their, their favorite book and go, hey, like, I want to give you this. Can you, can you like, just give me something else? Can, you, like, can I trade it in? Right, like, and because this is going to be better for you, can you give me that thing that you have over there? Give me those scissors. I'd like to go run with those, you know, or something like that. Right? You can't do that. It doesn't. It doesn't happen, because ultimately, you have nothing to bring. You have nothing to bring, and so you need to approach with humility when your children come to you and they ask you for something, and it's within reason. Let's be real, because sometimes kids can be unreasonable, but when it's when within reason, and you're like, yeah, that could be good for them. What's your answer? Yes. Do they have to give you anything in return? No. In fact, you, probably, you think that the thing's probably going to cost you more by giving it to them, right? Like, that's the reality. But that's okay. That's how these children approach Jesus as well, and it's how we need to approach Jesus. We have nothing we can give him, nothing we can leverage him with. But if we just approach him with humility, saying, I, I have nothing to give. In fact, all I have is sin in myself. If we approach him with that attitude, with that humility, 
That's what he's saying. Approach with nothing, and I will give you everything. Go back to, with me to uh, Isaiah 55, verse 1. Dale's going to get there far faster than me. <laughs> you going to wait for me? All right. 55, verse 1 uh, in, in the book of Isaiah says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. This is speaking to the new covenant. This is our relationship with Jesus. Come with nothing. He says, come with no money and buy. What kind of weirdness is that? But how amazing is it? It doesn't make sense to us because in, this, in our society, we always think about how we have to trade time, energy, resources for something else. And God says, no, you have nothing you can bring me, but I will give you everything you need if you come to me in humility. This is ultimately why we pray. Why pray? Brandon got at this a few weeks ago. Why should we pray? Because God will give to us that which we need from him. But if we do not ask, we will not receive. We can't be prideful and come before God. It's impossible. Look at how big he is. Look at all the stuff he has. All of your stuff is his stuff. You can't leverage him, but if you come to him in humility, he says, I love you, I care for you, and I am going to bless you because you came to me. How else might we approach Jesus like a child. Trust, faith is a good way to put it. We have to approach in faith. What does it mean, though, to approach Jesus with trust and faith? Pastor Brandon and I were talking about this on, uh, on Friday, talking about praying in faith, right? There's a lot of times where we don't pray just trusting. Think of how your kids look to you Moms, dads, think about how these kids look to you, adults, who participate in the life of this church. When these kids come to you and they're, they're, or they're in there in your class, they might be resisting you at times. We know that's real, right? They might be resisting, but they trust you. They do trust you. The kids trust you completely and implicitly. There's no proof necessary. There's nothing there other than just, oh, I know who you are. Your kids go, I know that's mom, that's dad. That's who you are to them. And they're like, I just trust them. I mean, I won't spend too much time here just for the sake of the audience but <laughs> that we have this morning. Uh, but like, even kids in terrible situations with their parents continue to try to trust their parents. We have a good father that we can trust and it's right to trust. And yet sometimes we doubt. We spend a lot of time doubting. Spend a lot of time distrusting. We need to come to Jesus with faith, with trust. Now that doesn't mean that there's no room for doubt. We just went over this a few weeks ago. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It's a great prayer to pray, okay? But we need to trust him. There is some level of faith that is necessary for salvation in Jesus Christ. You have to trust that what God said, his promises are true. Proverbs 3, 5. More flipping, sorry guys. It says this. If 
I can get there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Now look, there's a, there's a way in which we can understand what God has written such that we might know him more deeply. Right? God doesn't ask us to trust just like trust to the stories we see here. In fact, like Mark didn't, didn't expect his readers to do that. He mentioned specific people so that you could go and verify some things, right? But ultimately, like even if you verify all the things, even if, the, even if you look at, at the scriptures and you read through everything and you see how unified and perfect it is and you're like, man, this is all the same story written by a, a, tons of different people over the course of centuries. Even if you see all of that, Faith is still required. Just trust. You can say, yes, I believe that this is fully just a, a cohesive story that was, that was given out by God, but it's, it's one thing to say, yes, I believe that, and it's another thing completely to say, I trust the one who wrote it. How do we approach Christ as children? We approach him with trust. Just basic faith the faith of children to their parents. The last thing that I would say that we would approach Christ with is thankfulness. Remember when I was, uh, when I was a kid, I, I guess I wasn't that young. I don't know, I was probably teenager, preteen maybe. Um, but I, I, I wanted this one thing. I've told you guys I'm a computer geek, so don't judge me too harsh, okay? All right, like, I, I loved computer games. I still, like I said, in theory, I like computer games still, but I just loved them. And uh, I didn't have a computer that I could play the newest games on, right? This is all I wanted. I, I, I just wanted a, a gaming computer, right? I still want a gaming computer. Um, but I, like, I, I was like, this is all I want. And I didn't, I, I didn't really expect it. I wasn't really sure what was going to happen there. I was just like, I just know I kind of want this. And if, if somebody would get that for me, man, that would be awesome, right? So Christmas morning rolled around, right? I just didn't expect it. I was like, that's too expensive. It's too big of a thing. I mean, that's an expensive computer part for a kid, all right? Um, even back then, you're talking, you know, 100 bucks or so for a graphics card, maybe more. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I was just like, no, it's just not going to happen. I can't imagine my parents getting that for me. What happens? Christmas morning, I unwrap a package, and there it is. The newest, swankiest uh, graphics card for my computer, and I'm like, I can play games. Wow. I, like, I started crying about a computer part. All right, look, I told you not to judge me. <laughs> You're all judging me right now. I feel it. I feel it. But seriously, like, there was a moment where I was just like, I am so incredibly thankful for the sacrifice that my parents made to get that for me. When your kids receive good gifts from you that are over and beyond, which is what we receive in Christ, when they receive those things from you, how do they respond? I mean, I was gonna do it, I don't wanna get them too riled up, uh, but I was gonna ask them what they want and like have them scream it out, but we're not gonna do that today. I'm sure that some of you appreciate that. Um, but seriously, like when you give them good things and you go above and beyond, what's their reaction? Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. Or at least joy, just like beaming with happiness, right? You've seen this look on your kids' faces before. 
like just absolutely beaming with happiness and joy and thankfulness. How then should we approach Christ again with thanksgiving? Think of the sacrifice that Christ made for your salvation, for your glory. Glorification, I should say. Think about what he has spent, his own blood, his own body, his own life, for what he gave you. Think about those things and then go, wow, he gave that to me. He gave me not only just sort of baseline justification, right? That would have been enough just to make us right with God, just kind of smooth the thing over, right? Just kind of go, okay, well, now you can, if you don't break this, you can talk to God just fine, right? Like, he could have just said, you know what, we're going to wipe the slate clean, but if you mess it up again, hands off. But that's not what he did, is it? He said, no, I am going to not only smooth things over, I am going to justify you. So this is, God is up here, he is fully righteous, and you are down here, and you are an absolute sinner. And Jesus goes, you're good. You're good. By my blood, you are good. Everything is paid for. You are even. There is no debt. And not only that, he secures you for salvation. He keeps you throughout the course of your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, you don't just get to live a life in communion with God. You don't just get that. You get eternal life. You get glorification. You get the presence of God, the Father. We should approach Jesus Christ with thanksgiving, with thankfulness, just like your kids do when you give them good gifts. I mean, sometimes I know they're little sinners, so like every once in a while they'll be like, ah, thanks. But like when you give them the, the thing that they wanted and you go above and beyond that, right? And they're just like, wow, thank you so, so much. This makes me so happy. Christian, are you joyful? Are you joyful today? Do you approach Christ with joy, even when all of the circumstances are weird and bad and everything else? Do you still approach him with joy knowing the gift that you've been given? And what happens when, <laughs> this is my favorite part, what happens when uh, Jesus allows the kids in? He says, disciples, get out of the way. Just stand over there somewhere. I don't need you right now. Let the kids come to me. What happens? He doesn't just touch them. He doesn't just give them a little tap on the forehead, right? What does he do? Verse 16, and he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying hands on them. He could have just said, boop, 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 done, and walked away. No, Jesus spent time with them. He held them in his arms and he blessed them. What blessings do we receive as we come to Christ? We Again, we get a relationship with God. We get this ability to fight sin. We get eternity with God in his presence. We're held in the arms of our Savior. So how can we, how can we apply this? This is where I fell short in my sermon on simple faith all those years ago. How do you apply this? Well, 
It is a bit of a fight. Look, there are things that I've said today that you're going to go, man, I've fallen short, fallen far short. I've, I've not brought my kids to Christ. Maybe I've even hindered them from coming to Christ. Maybe I haven't approached Jesus with humility and faith and thanksgiving like I should. And praise God. Praise God that you are seeing what you've done wrong. That's the law for you. It'll show you who you were, who you have been, what you've done. There is grace in Jesus Christ this morning. If any of this convicts you, if you're like, man, this isn't, this isn't me, I don't have joy, guess what? Pray for joy. Pastor Brandon and I were talking about this. Pray for joy. Just pray for joy and then practice it. You have to remind yourself about what God has given you. We need to approach Christ with just a simple faith. Like, let all that other stuff go. Like, if you're questioning in some areas, there is room for questions, but the basic question is just, do you trust him? Are you willing to come to him with nothing and then receive from him everything that he has to give? Will you trust him today? This is the right response to anyone hearing about this. It's not, it's not about a level of theological acumen or, or experience or whatever else. Like You don't have to have all of the answers. The basic question is simply, do you trust him? Will you approach him in humility? All the other stuff can come later. It's okay. Trust him. Struggle to trust him. Look, I know it's a fight. This is... Again, this is, I, I have fallen short here so many times. I am not saying that simple faith is easy faith. Okay? Simple faith is not easy faith. It is hard fought at times because we are so jaded. We're so tempted. But if you approach Christ with just that little mustard seed of simple faith that you have, that you have in your heart that God has planted there, by the way, it's not yours, it's his, that God has planted there, if you just have that and you say, I have nothing to give, but I trust you. There is joy to be found in that place. This morning, it's my, it's my hope and my prayer that as we think about bringing these kids to Christ, that it would inform our own practice. As we think about how they respond to Jesus. And by the way, as you watch them grow in Christ over the course of years, as you watch them get baptized and you watch them grow in discipleship, as you do all of that, let that inform your practice, adults. Think about it. Simple faith. Simple trust. And so today, I want to encourage you all to take some time, A, with these kids. Like, engage them, care for them, show them Jesus. And then look and see how they respond and just go, how can I live a little bit more like that? Thanks for listening to the Mosaic Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Mosaic, including location and service times, or to support us financially, visit our website at mosaicrva.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook at Mosaic Church RVA. Remember, it's not about us, it's all about you.